is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your other host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Howdy, howdy, Going West gang. Howdy. Heath and I are recording this a little bit in advance because we're going away for his birthday, which is on June 26th. So a few days before this episode comes out, we're going down to California. Yeah, so this is pre-recorded. So um, I really wanted to mention that mostly because of our Patreon shoutouts that we do in the end. We're going to have to do those next week. So everybody who joined Patreon in the past week, thank you so, so, so much. And we'll give you a shout out next week. We love you guys so much. And Heath, do you want to tell everybody about the crazy bonus episode we just dropped? Yeah, so we just dropped a bonus episode on the Ryan Family Massacre. And that occurred in 1983 in Chino Hills, California. There's a lot of controversy about that case. Um, Some believe that the person who's incarcerated for those murders is guilty. Others others believe he's innocent. So we're going to tell the story and let you guys decide. Really excited to tell you that one. Yeah, so if you guys want to listen to that and many, 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 many others, we have well over 40 bonus episodes total by now. So head on over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast. And just for everybody else listening today, we love you so much and appreciate all your support. And also, by the way, I know we haven't mentioned this in a long time, but we do have merch available for you guys. Oh, we haven't said that in a while. We really have not. If you go over to our website, goingwestpod.com, you can click the click click. <laughs> you can click the shop tab. <laughs> you can click the shop tab and uh, get shopping. Yeah, we have some awesome merch. Lots of summer items like fanny pack, beach towel, tote bag, t-shirts. We have sweatshirts. Lots of good stuff. Hats. I might. I think our merch site does bucket hats now i'm thinking about adding adding a bucket hat what do you guys have to do that yeah if you guys are down i i'm personally into the bucket hat thing so you let me know all right guys this is episode 127 of going west so let's get into it In 1997, a beautiful 18-year-old woman from Kyrgyzstan joined a matchmaking service to meet an American man. Shortly after that, a man twice her age inquired and promised her a perfect life in the U.S. But after financial distress, abuse, and manipulation occurred, the young woman disappeared. But then someone came forward claiming to know exactly what happened. This is the story of Anastasia Solaviva King. Anastasia Solaviva King was born on December 24, 1979 to parents Anatoly and Alevtina Solaviva, in Bishkek City, Kyrgyzstan. And Bishkek is an impoverished city in the former Soviet bloc with a population of roughly around a million people and it's also the capital of Kyrgyzstan. Anastasia was an only child and her parents were music instructors. So early in life, Anastasia learned to play the piano, sing, and she also studied English. She was an honors student and also learned to speak three different languages. She was described as radiant, vivacious, and loving, 
With dreams of getting out of Kyrgyzstan, and one of her biggest dreams was to live in America. And I just want to make a little side note here. We posted photos of her, of course, and photos for all of everything we refer to in this case on all of our social medias. And I just want to say, just from looking at her photos, I don't know what it is. She just seems kind just by looking at her photo. I just got this vibe instantly from her. Like, the photos where she's smiling, she just looks really genuine and and very sweet. Yeah, everybody who knew her said that she was just, like, the most amazing person. She looks it just from a photo. So during her teen years, Anastasia babysat for an American diplomat in Bishkek. And this gave her excitement because she would hear all about what the United States was like, emboldening her thoughts on escaping poverty and living a life of freedom. In 1997, Anastasia's parents found out that a cousin of hers had joined a matchmaking service, or what a lot of people refer to as mail-order bride service, uh, and she had found an American man to marry her and bring her over to the United States. And this was, of course, Anastasia's dream. So they relayed the message to her, and she seemed keen on the idea. Anastasia's parents knew that America could provide their daughter with the life that they desperately wanted to give her, but couldn't in Kyrgyzstan. At this point, Anastasia was almost 18, and she was mature for her age. She had long blonde hair and the looks of a model, something she thought would help her attract an American suitor. So with the help of her parents, Anastasia signed up for a matchmaking agency, and she was ready to find love and happiness. And before anyone judges the mail-order bride system, we have to remember that most of these girls are just trying to escape the hardships of their own poverty-stricken countries in search of a better life, so this situation isn't all that strange or rare depending on where you're from. And it really didn't take long for potential matches to come flooding in. As we mentioned, Anastasia was young and she was extremely beautiful. Letters were being sent to the Solaviva home on a daily basis, and most of them were coming from one man, a 37-year-old man from Seattle, Washington, named Indel King. I'm glad you made that comment about not judging this, you know, her decision to try to become a mail-order bride because we have to understand how hard it was for her to live in her own country and also how hard it is to kind of say, I'm going to go marry a man I've never met and move to a different country just so that I can live a better life. That itself is, is really devastating that you have to do that and just kind of hope that whoever it is you get along with and that you can have a good life with them like it's it's actually very sad yeah and i mean anastasia's parents loved her it's not like they were bad parents they were very good parents and if they believed that she could have a better life in america then that really speaks volumes to this situation so let's talk about indel king he grew up on the very wealthy mercer island in seattle his father indel senior was an award-winning industrial designer and his mother rosalie was a university art professor with a doctorate in education. Indel attended Mercer Island High School where he learned to play the clarinet and saxophone and he lettered in tennis. When Indel was a sophomore, his parents bought him a gray sports car with red leather interior, which he boasted about and drove around blasting music to try to impress his classmates. But although Indel had the money, he wasn't very popular in school and hung out with the fringe crowd, which spent their time watching the movie A Clockwork Orange and reading science fiction books. And by fringe crowd, we just mean like the outsiders. Indel's father designed and built their mansion on Mercer Island and gave a wing of the home to Indel where his friends could hang out, listen to music, and play the board game Risk, 
which is a game where you compete to take over the world. And Indol's friends noticed that he took the game a little too seriously, you know, getting stressed out and even sweating when he wasn't able to dominate the other players. Yeah, so from an early age, it was clear that he had insecurity issues, he wanted to be in control, and he wanted to dominate other people. And that's just kind of funny that he's that guy. He's that, you know, obnoxious person who shows off and flaunts all the things that he has, but is also a huge dick to his friends. And I do also want to mention, if you're not familiar with Mercer Island, like, there's a lot of wealthy people that live there, so we can imagine that he wasn't the only wealthy kid that went to that school, just just in case anybody didn't know. In 1984, Indle graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in accounting, and he went on to work for an oil company as an accountant. He lived in Anchorage, Alaska and Houston, Texas, before deciding to enroll at the University of Chicago to pursue a business degree. He graduated from the school in 1987 with a master's degree in finance and then went on to work for a plastics company in Pennsylvania, but he was fired after just one year. After that, Indel worked as a pricing analyst in Dayton, Ohio, and a professor at Wright State University teaching business. So this guy was all over the place. I mean, he lived in Alaska, Texas, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois. So throughout all of his jobs, Indel had acquired a substantial amount of frequent flyer miles, and he decided to use them to take a trip to the Soviet Union in 1990, with a high school classmate and friend of his, Cartland Monson. Indel and his friend spent 10 days exploring Russia, and when they arrived back to the US, Cartland recalled Indel being love-struck by the young girls he saw in clubs and cafes in Russia. Then, soon after this trip, Indel told his friend that he wanted to place an ad through a Russian publication to meet a woman. In 1993, Indel was in his 30s, he was overweight and wore a hairpiece. That sounds really judgmental, but bear with us. I mean, that's just the truth. Okay, so he was also juggling teaching jobs at local colleges in Ohio, and it was then that he finally decided to try and find his Russian bride, but he wasn't very straightforward. The ad he placed claimed a Russian female would have the opportunity to study in America and stay with him. It didn't mention anything about marriage. He started corresponding with an 18-year-old biology student from Siberia named Yekaterina Kazakova, and in September of 1993, she flew to the U.S. At first, she was just an exchange student, but by October, Indel had convinced her that the only way she could stay in the U.S. and continue to study was if she married him. So in December, the two got married in Indel's hometown of Mercer Island, Washington. So already there's some manipulation going on here. That's hey, not cool at all. Yeah, you, you can't stay in the U.S. and study and continue to live with me unless you marry me or else you'll be deported out of the States. And this just speaks to how much these girls want to be in the United States if they're willing to marry Endel King. He said that with a disgusted face, I, just, just everybody I mean, knows. He's older than them, and he's just a creep. I also just want to mention that earlier when I said, you know, he wore a hairpiece and is overweight. This is not to, to talk shit on people who are overweight or have a hairpiece. Yeah, this is to talk shit on Indel King. This is just specifically against this dude. So please take no offense to me saying that earlier. And just go look at a photo of him on our social medias. So Yekaterina and Endel, they married pretty quickly. But after just a few short months, things kind of started to fall apart. 
Endel's teaching contracts kind of dried up, and no one seemed to want to hire him. On top of this, his cars were being repossessed, and he was in a financial tailspin. I mean, this guy was just not doing so well financially. Yekaterina was working as a pharmacy technician while she was attending school and living with Endel, and he would often ask her for money as well as force her to try to get cash advances from the bank because at this point, Endel's credit was completely shot. But after a while, Yekaterina would refuse to help Endel out, which led to very violent altercations. Three years into their marriage, Endel took the only job that he could get at the time, which was a grocery store clerk, and on July 5th, 1996, while Endel was at work, Yekaterina finally left him. And I'm sure you're asking, you know, why did his parents not give him money? And I believe it's probably because he wanted to be independent and self-sufficient and he didn't want to rely on his parents. And I'm sure he did probably ask for financial assistance from them at some point, but I can't really confirm that. So anyway, Yekaterina filed a restraining order against Endel, claiming that he had threatened to kill her if she ever left him. She also said that he had physically assaulted her on numerous occasions and sexually assaulted her. The divorce was officially finalized a year later in July of 1997. Indol convinced his hometown buddies that Yekaterina had just used him to gain U.S. citizenship and that he was the victim in the situation. One friend back in Washington offered Indol a job at his travel company, and Indol took him up on the offer. One high school friend was quoted saying, Indol had this great need to be married. He wanted children and he wanted money. Indel then told his friends, This time, I'm going to find someone who's a little less independent than my first wife. And just like clockwork, Indel was back in the ad space looking for another Russian bride. And this is when he would meet 17-year-old Anastasia Soloviva. Sometimes Daphne and I are doing research for Going West, and we subscribe to different newspapers from all around the country, and then we forget to unsubscribe. But that's exactly why we love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. You'll be able to see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't like, Rocket Money can help you cancel it in just a few taps. It is seriously that easy. And that's why Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash going west. That's rocketmoney.com slash going west. Rocketmoney.com slash going west. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, 
You can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So when we left off, Indel was back out there on the prowl looking for another Russian bride. A 17-year-old Russian bride at that. Yeah, and at this point, Endel was 36, 37 years old. So Anastasia's cousin had found her marriage through a matchmaking service and moved to Florida to live out her dream. So Anastasia felt that she could do the same. After countless letters to Anastasia from Endel, he finally made the trip to Kyrgyzstan to meet her in December of 1997. Indel wasn't the Prince Charming that Anastasia's parents thought he would be. Like I said, he was 37, he was balding, and he was a fast talker, which they didn't really like. But he did, however, have a good education and somewhat of a sense of humor. And he actually impressed Anastasia, telling her that he would make all of her dreams come true. 
He boasted about having money and promised her financial stability, as well as educational opportunities, just like he did with his first bride. Indle told Anastasia that he would show her the University of Washington campus, which she actually wanted to attend, and that she could stay with his parents on Mercer Island while she got a feel for the U.S. Of course, this was her dream, so she accepted his offer. Then, a few months later, just like his first wife, the two would get married in April of 1998. And I mean, this really does seem like a good opportunity. She gets out of her country that she desperately wants to leave, and she has an opportunity to live in a beautiful house and go to school. This really did seem like a great, great, great choice for her. Yeah, and being married to Endel is, at this point, basically the least of her concerns. She doesn't really care too much about that. She's just excited to be uh, in the U.S. And also at this point, she thought that she that they had a good chance at having a great marriage together. She was like, he's not perfect, but, you know, maybe I can love him. Well, that's the thing is she doesn't know him very well. So she only knows what she's seeing and what she's being told. So he can be manipulative if he wants to be and and lead her on to believe that he is better than he is. Right. And we have to remember that this guy is, you know, feeding her lines, telling her that He's got all this money that he's going to show her the world. He's going to show her the U.S., um, you know, giving her all these promises. So she's a little bit lovestruck at this point. And that's why at first things seemed great. Anastasia moved into a small subdivision just north of Seattle with Indole. And by all accounts, Anastasia was happy. She began working at a seafood restaurant in downtown Seattle, which she loved and had dreams to attend college. But after a short time, problems in the relationship began to occur. Indel became increasingly controlling, wanting to know where Anastasia was every second of every day. He was also pressuring her to have children with him, but Anastasia told him she wasn't ready. Yeah, and that's completely understandable. So Indel grew increasingly irritated with her. And on one occasion, Anastasia came into work in tears because Indel had hit her During a driving lesson, he had become a bully towards his wife and a person she hardly recognized. Yeah, so if you guys are curious about this, obviously she had just moved to the United States. She doesn't know how to drive in the U.S. He's basically trying to give her instructions and teach her how to do different things uh, in the U.S. And one of these things was teaching her how to drive. But he became really irritated with her very quickly. And yeah, he he hit her. I don't know what the um, the extent of that physical abuse was if he punched her or slapped her, but it doesn't really matter. You should never put your hands on your person or anyone. Absolutely. So again, we mentioned that Indel was kind of in a financial tailspin and things hadn't really changed by the time he met Anastasia. He was still not doing so well. So Indel then took a job at Costco in Seattle, but Anastasia's hard work had finally paid off. She actually began attending the University of Washington and enrolled in business classes while maintaining her hostess job at the seafood restaurant. So she's doing really well. He's not doing so great. So Endel was getting worse because his new wife was becoming more successful than him, which he absolutely hated. And he was now asking Anastasia for money, just like he did with his first wife. Endel even tried to take away her passport because he didn't want her getting too far away from him. And so, yeah, now now things are getting even worse. So he's like, I'm going to take your passport so you can't go anywhere. It's sad because she's totally thriving. Exactly. 
and all of her coworkers and her friends thought so as well. So Anastasia began to keep a detailed journal of all the abuse that she was enduring at the hands of her husband. But to ensure that Endel would never find this journal, Anastasia got a safe deposit box in which she kept her journal, $2,500 cash, and a list that her husband wrote detailing 48 traits that he hated about her. Jeez. Yeah, so he wrote down all these things. He's like, I don't like this about you. I don't like this about you. And um, basically, he wanted her to change. He wanted her to be what he wanted her to be. Like, he didn't want her to be herself. He wanted a puppet. He wanted a puppet, some someone that he could control and dictate. So then in the summer of 2000, things began to spiral out of control. Anastasia was beautiful, smart, loving, and well-liked, and her friends in Seattle knew that she deserved much better than Endel. She began to create distance between herself and her husband, avoiding him as much as she possibly could, which wasn't hard considering she was busy with work and school. Anastasia's mother said that their marriage was, quote, warfare at this point. Anastasia began seeing other men behind Endel's back, and she continued to keep a list of the abuse that he put her through. From forcing her to have sex with him, to hitting her during arguments, to not allowing her to see a counselor, it was clear that Endel needed to be in control, but felt that he was slowly losing it. But even Endel was getting tired of his rocky marriage, and he had even started looking for new mail-order bride prospects. Like, he was like, this is not working... I know she's unhappy, I'm unhappy, I'm going to start looking for new mail-order brides. But this is his second one, and instead of finding a new wife, he needs to realize that he can't have everything his exact way, and that that's not what a relationship is, but because he wants what he wants, he's not accepting that. Yeah, the issue is, is that he wants everything his way. He doesn't want to have to change for anybody, he doesn't want to have to do anything different himself. He just wants somebody to cater to all of his needs and his wants. And that's why it's funny, because he acted like he was this wealthy, amazing guy who could provide this woman with a great life, and he's the opposite of all those things. So why he thinks he's entitled to having exactly what he wants doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, that summer, Anastasia flew back home to spend some time with her family and think about the next step in her life. But while she was gone, Indel got fired from his job at Costco and was cited for shoplifting from a store in Seattle. He stole two bananas and a 12-pack of soda, explaining to officers that he was in a financial bind because his wife was divorcing him. Mind you, this is not true. The weird thing here is that even though Anastasia probably thought about divorcing Indel, she hadn't followed through with any paperwork or inquiries to do so. While Anastasia was visiting her parents back home, Indel made the rash decision to file for divorce himself, almost in an effort to beat Anastasia to the punch. But then, in September of 2000, Indel apparently had a change of heart, buying a ticket to Kyrgyzstan in an attempt to heal he and Anastasia's broken marriage. Somehow, Indel smooth-talked his way into convincing Anastasia to come back to Seattle with him. The couple arrived back in the U.S. on September 22, 2000, and after that, Anastasia would never be seen alive again. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So when Anastasia didn't return to work or school as expected, her coworkers and friends grew very concerned, especially because they knew all about the issues that she was having with Endel. Then, when Anastasia's parents didn't receive any emails from their daughter, which was very common for them, they would email back and forth almost daily, they decided to reach out to an English-speaking friend in the U.S. to inquire about her disappearance. A missing persons report was filed, and of course the first person police questioned was Endel. He told detectives that he was in Moscow trying to patch up his marriage, but that Anastasia refused to return to Seattle with him. Endel said that he had flown home alone, but this was his first mistake, because police were undoubtedly going to look into the flight records to confirm this, and when they did, it was clear that Endel was lying because records show that both he and Anastasia returned to Seattle together on the same flight, September 22, 2000. Police then learned that Indel and Anastasia had been dropped off by an airport shuttle at their home in Mount Lake Terrace at 2.30 p.m. But after that, no one knew where she went. Indel, of course, changed his mind when he was confronted with the records, and police felt strongly that Indel King was involved but they had no proof, and most importantly, they didn't have a body. They tracked down leads for months, but nothing substantial was discovered. That is, until police realized that Indel had been making regular visits to the Snohomish County Jail, which is in Washington, in December, just a few months after Anastasia went missing. Indel had been making these trips to see a former tenant of his, a 20-year-old man named Daniel Larson. So investigators began to visit this Daniel Larson because they're like, why is Indel visiting you so often? And this person, Daniel Larson, had been arrested in November for attempting to have sex with a 16-year-old Ukrainian girl in a mall restroom near Seattle. And when I say have sex, he was trying to physically, uh, or, or I mean, sorry, sexually assault this young girl. They believe that due to his seemingly close relationship to Indel King, that they would be able to press Daniel for more information about Anastasia King. But what they got was a lot more than they could ever hope for. During one jailhouse interview in late December, Daniel told detectives that he knew where Anastasia's body was, and he also knew who killed her. He said that Indel King was the killer. See, in the summer of 2000, when things got much worse for Indel and Anastasia's marriage, Daniel had moved into the King's Mount Lake Terrace home and rented a room there. He had been living there for months and told police that he knew about Anastasia's murder and where she was buried. On December 28, 2000, Daniel Larson led investigators to a shallow grave on the Tulalip Native Reservation about an hour north of the King's home in Mount Lake Terrace. Detectives began to press Daniel about the crime feeling that he could possibly be involved because they're like, why do you know so much about this situation? And he seemed really anxious and often mixed up his story. And after many interrogations, 
Daniel was finally ready to tell the full truth. So Daniel said that on the night of September 22nd, he was at the king's home waiting for Anastasia and Indol to return from their flight. But while waiting, he got a call from Indol, who called from the airport saying that he was on his way home with his wife and that he was ready to end her life and that he wanted Daniel to help him do so. Indol then gave Daniel instructions to tie up the phone line by logging onto the internet, because remember, this is in the times of dial-up, so that Anastasia couldn't use the phone when she returned home. Daniel agreed, but when the Kings returned home, the house computer had automatically logged off due to inactivity. Anastasia then actually did make a phone call, but to this day, no one knows who that call was to. And while she was on the phone, Indel yelled at Daniel for messing up his orders. Indel then told Daniel to wait and hide in the garage with a necktie, ordering Daniel to strangle Anastasia with it after he lured her into the garage. Indel then told Anastasia to meet him in the garage because he had something he wanted to talk to her about. But when she did, he explained that he wanted to give her money for college tuition. When the conversation was over, Anastasia asked Indel for a kiss, and he approached her. But when he did this, he wrapped his arms around her in a bear hug, and a second later, Daniel came running in from behind with the necktie, placing it around Anastasia's throat, and he began pulling. The trio then struggled, but eventually made it inside the house. After that, Indel laid on top of Anastasia with all of his weight, which remember, he's a pretty heavy guy while Daniel pulled tighter and tighter on the necktie. Within minutes, Anastasia had run out of air, and her body had finally went limp. Indel and Daniel then cut off Anastasia's long blonde hair in an attempt to cover up her identity in case her body was randomly found. They also removed her wedding ring and her clothes in this process. Then the two men put her in Indel's car and drove north where they buried her body in a shallow dirt grave underneath of a dirty old mattress. At first, police were unsure if they could really believe anything that Daniel Larson was saying, because he had already lied to them a few times before, but when Anastasia's body was discovered, they knew Daniel was telling the truth. Daniel also told police that Endel and him were secret lovers, and that Anastasia found out, so that was part of the reason for taking her life. The other reason was because Indel was worried that he would lose a substantial amount of money if a divorce was finalized because he had lost like $55,000 in the divorce to his first wife. Indel was quickly arrested and a trial was set for both Daniel Larson and Indel King. Daniel Larson's defense team stated that he should be charged with the lesser sentence of second-degree murder because they felt the crime, at least on his end, wasn't premeditated. Meanwhile, prosecutors went heavily after Indel King for the first-degree murder charge. But Indel's defense team tried to say that Daniel Larson was the sole killer because he was worried Anastasia was going to evict him from the King home. So lots of, lots of different ideas running around here. Yeah, lots of different angles. They're thinking because Daniel was the only one to confess to this murder and Indel hadn't confessed but implicated uh, in the murder that it was possible that Daniel did this himself and that Indel had nothing to do with it. But, you know, as we'll see, that's not the case. 
Like I just said, that really did not work, though, because eight letters were eventually found that Endel sent to a good friend of his in Seattle named Jay Yannick, in which Endel had asked Jay to lie for him, giving him an alibi for the day that the murder occurred. So he also asked Jay to try to convince Daniel Larson to change his story as well. So this guy is just out there trying to uh, manipulate the situation. It's good Jay came forward with that. Yeah, exactly. And Jay was not interested in covering for Endel, and he handed over the letters to police right away. It was also discovered that while in jail awaiting trial, Endel had asked other inmates to intimidate Daniel Larson into changing his story. But that didn't work either. Daniel Larson, however, took a plea deal for the second-degree murder charge in exchange for his testimony against Endel King. And by the way, I'll also have to mention that the safe deposit box that Anastasia kept um, her journal in and um, just basically all of the abuse that was going on in the marriage, that was used as evidence in this trial as well. But defending Daniel Larson would prove to be pretty difficult because he wrote a letter to a convicted murderer and cult figure, Christopher Turgan, in which he admitted to killing Anastasia by himself because he believed that she was an evil cheater and God wanted her to die. So he also claimed that he was in the movie Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and that he had had ice cream with Kevin Costner, which is definitely not true. Those are such random things to to claim. Yeah. And then he went on to tell a correctional officer that he had a microchip implanted into his head when he was six years old, which increased his strength and agility. So Daniel probably uh, needs some help here because he's not really making a good case for himself. In the end, Indo King's attempts to swindle the jury and witnesses didn't work. And on March 27, 2002, he was sentenced to 28 years and 11 months for the murder of his wife. He was 40 years old when he was sentenced, and Anastasia would have been 22 at the time. Daniel Larson was sentenced to 20 years for his role in the crime. And in a closing statement after the verdict, Anastasia's mother stated for the court, This is what you've come to at the age of 40. A criminal. You murdered Anastasia. You murdered us. You murdered your parents. And most of all, you murdered yourself. After the trial, the Solavivas moved to Washington so they could be close to the memory of their brilliant daughter, whose life was cut short by a controlling man who failed in marriage and in life. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and next week we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. I really don't think that 28 years was enough of a sentence for Indel King. No, because he's going to get out when he, before he's 70. Yeah, especially knowing the fact that Anastasia was such an amazing person. It just doesn't add up to me. And it's really upsetting because no murder needs to happen, but... She was in her home country. They had pretty much, you know, they were not on good terms. They were going to split up. He went back there, got her, returned to the United States, and killed her almost immediately. So it's like, why? Why couldn't you just let her go? Yeah, I mean, this guy had a huge ego, and um, unfortunately, it cost Anastasia her life. Yeah, really, really sad case today. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening 
And again, thank you so much to our patrons who we're going to give shout outs to next week since we're recording this in advance for Heath's birthday. Yeah. And uh, if you want to know where I'm going for my birthday, just uh, just <laughs> ask us. Or we could just tell you. I'm going to Catalina Island. <laughs> It's going to be really fun. I'm excited to celebrate this guy and all the hard work that he's done for the show and just what an amazing partner he is. I love you so much. Ah, thank you so much, babe. I love you too. (laughs) And we're going to post photos on our socials if you guys want to see just from our trip as we always do. We might do a QA and a while we drive down there because we're taking a road trip. So if you guys want to see, head on over to our Instagram at Going West Podcast, Twitter at Going West Pod, and then our uh, Going West discussion group on Facebook. And we also have photos for this case and every other case on there too. So thank you guys for tuning in. And again, next week we will have a new case. So we'll be back. We're just recording this in advance and we're excited to give shout outs to all the patrons next week. And if you guys want to join Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash going west podcast for a ton of bonus episodes. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, cheerio and don't be a stranger. 